This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash pockets. Fundrise.com slash pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com. Or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com. Or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe. Smart. Secure. Hey, everyone. Welcome to On the Market. I'm your host, Dave Meyer, joined by Henry Washington. What's up, buddy? Good to be here. Good to see your smiling face. Oh, yeah. It's all fake right now. I'm sick, as I told you before, but I'm faking it as much as I can. Hey, well, you're doing a fantastic job, Dave Meyer. Oh, thank you. Well, no one's going to hear the times during the interview with Amanda where my brain just melted down and I couldn't speak. So (laughs) thankfully, they'll edit all that out and it'll maybe sound good during this episode. Absolutely. Well, it was a fun episode. This is a really cool episode because taxes, not always the most fun, but I feel like this was actually a very entertaining, enjoyable conversation where I learned a lot. Uh, I totally agree with you. And And you're right. The fact that it's typically not a fun topic is the exact same reason why most people People don't think about it until they have to. And we talk exactly about why you should not do that in this episode. And it was really both eye-opening and uh, and helpful for me. Yeah. And this is, you know, I think most people, we talk about this a little bit during the interview, start to pay attention to their taxes like on April 11th or whatever, like a couple of days before. But I think uh, one of the main points that Amanda brought up is that tax planning is perhaps most beneficial around this time of year like you should be doing it year round but there are a couple tips she gives that you can do even before the end of the year i know this this episode is airing with five days left in the year but there are still some things you can do to uh improve your tax situation by the end of the year and 
starting in the beginning of the year, starting the 2023 off right is the best way to maximize your tax position because you have a full year to think of new ideas and implement those ideas to improve your tax situation. So this is a really good timing um, and, and really important for you to start thinking about these uh, tax strategies that Amanda shares either for this year and going into next year. We are going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with Amanda Hahn. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. All right, well, let's welcome Amanda Hahn, who is, I don't know, CEO, founder of Keystone CPA. What's your what's your title there? Um, I don't really know. I kind of do everything here. I'm technically one of the managing directors. <laughs> okay. Managing director of Keystone CPA and author of two excellent tax books, which I'm holding up here, which are books I have been reading over the last couple of weeks, perusing um, as we get into tax planning season. So Amanda, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. This is my first time on this show. Well, thank you for for joining us. We know that uh, we don't have the same 
cachet as the real estate show, but uh, we're glad that we were able to book you finally. Oh, I hear this is the show to be on, actually. So I'm like really starstruck to be here with you guys. <laughs> oh, well, hopefully we live up to that, Henry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely you. It's not me, Dave. I don't know. Well, let's uh, hopefully we'll ask some intelligent questions and Im- impress you, Amanda. <laughs> well, thank you again for being here. Realistically, you are one of the most you know, prominent experts uh, on real estate tax in the entire industry. And so as we come to the end of the year, we thought it would be helpful to help our audience understand if, you know, just any first and foremost, like what they should be thinking about as real estate investors right now. And then we're going to talk about some of the changes that did and wound up not happening um, in the tax world uh, in 2022. So, Amanda, I'm going to just ask you a couple rapid-fire questions so that everyone who's dreading doing their taxes next year has some inspiration uh, for for actually doing this properly. When do you recommend real estate investors start their yearly planning for taxes? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Tax planning really should be happening all year round. And so the earlier you do planning, the more options you have. Um, So, you know, before the end of the year definitely is kind of like the last point in time when you can do planning. Um, You know, my husband, Matt, and I would like to joke that uh, tax planning is sort of like watching sports. You know, the, the, you, when you're playing like a basketball game, you know, one team might be up in the scores. The other one might be up, you know, at different times during the quarter. But what really matters, the winner of the game is determined by where the score is at the end of the game. And that works exactly the same way for tax planning and numbers. Like where your income and expenses are on December 31st is going to determine how much or how little taxes you pay. So all year long is good for tax planning, but year end is a, is a huge, um, you know, you want to end up on a high note. All right. Well, this show is coming out with five days less than the year. So everyone who's listening to this, cancel all of your holiday plans and just spend the next five days doing everything Amanda says for the next 45 minutes. Yeah. Look me up on social media, YouTube, watch all that, do everything in a couple of days. Um, But I think even, you know, just um, but even knowing that, right, if you if you don't have enough time for strategies between in the next couple of days, um, it's still a good idea to take some time to plan ahead, right? Because if, if you didn't do things right already this year, we still have all of next year to plan, um, you know, especially as you do more real estate, make more income, you know, I mean, we'll continue to have taxes and pay taxes. <laughs> That's not going away. Um, so the planning is always going to be beneficial. So still do it for next year if you haven't done it already this year. I mean, at year end, is it really tax planning or is it more tax damage control? (laughs) (laughs) Tax scrambling. Yeah, yeah. I like the way you put it. I I just put it a little bit more nicely, I guess. Um, But but yes, I mean, there's still things that could be done, you know, before the end of the year. I mean, not for every single investor, but certainly for some investors, there are things. And, and, you know... uh, I mean, there are also things you can do after the end of the year to save on taxes, um, but those are just a lot more limited, right? When we start planning in January, there's maybe like 101 ways you can reduce your taxes. Um, halfway through the year, there might be like, you know, 30, 40 ways to do it. Uh, in the next couple of days before year end, there might be, I don't know, five, six things you could consider. But even then, those might be very powerful, too. Well, it's kind of like you're a savant because that's exactly what we were going to ask you for the next question is what are the things investors can be doing to minimize their tax burden for 2022 with, you know, 10 seconds left on the clock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a couple of major things for investors, um, you know, it, it, major ones for year in planning, we're looking at how do we shift income 
so that we pay the least amount of tax. So if you're having a big taxable event, right, and we're talking with real estate investors, so um, if you're uh, potentially selling a property or getting you know, a, a large amount of income from tenants and things like that, if you can defer it by even just one day, from December 31st of this year to January 1st of next year, that could significantly defer your taxes uh, for one whole year, right? So whatever income you make now, you're going to pay taxes on it possibly in April. But if you delay it into January, now you don't have to pay the tax until January, I mean, April 2024. So you have a whole year to, you know, be happy and invest your money, you know, some more time with your money, but also <laughs> just a lot more time for you to strategize. Give it a little hug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But just a lot more time to strategize, right? Because we're talking about, okay, so this year, if I'm going to sell a property, I'm going to have a huge gain of, I don't know, $100,000. I have four days on, like, how am I going to offset it? But if I just waited until January to sell, then I have all of next year to think about 101 ways I can defer taxes on the sale of that particular property. Um, so that's one thing. And then I think on the flip side, we look at accelerating expenses. So that's like looking ahead at what are some of the recurring expenses that you have as a real estate investor? And can I prepay for some of those before the end of the year to get a tax deduction? So whether it's like, you know, marketing or um, software, computers, any of those things that, or even, you know, repair costs, appliances for your properties, things that you know you will have to spend in early next year, um, you know, why not prepay for that before year end so you can get a tax deduction? Um, and I think what people don't know, too, is like you don't actually have to pay cash for a lot of those things. If you charge it on your credit card, a lot of times those are deductible this year as well. Oh, wow. Well, I think this was this was uh, strategic of us. We didn't want to overwhelm you with advice for taxes in this year. So we just we gave you just five to do in 2022. But for those of us who are going to try and be more diligent next year, like what are what a couple of the strategies that people should be considering, like, you know, we're, we're at the turn of the year starting in 2023. How do you get off to the on the right foot into the next year? Um, I think it kind of, you know, the way I look at tax planning, it sort of follows what your investment plan is. Um, so I think if, you know, as an investor, hopefully you're doing some goal setting, right? 2023, here's what I want to accomplish. I'm going to buy X number of long-term rentals or short-term or mid-term or, you know, whatever, subject to deals. And then from there is having that conversation with your tax advisor and looking at what types of strategies would make sense in those scenarios. So for example, like if you are um, a short-term rental investor, you know, or you, you plan to buy a lot of short-term rentals, um, then looking at, you know, where are the properties that will give you the best maybe depreciation, right? Obviously we want cash flow and appreciation, but but which properties will give you the best tax appreciation? Um, and you know, what do you need to do to get enough hours so that you can actually use all those tax benefits to offset not just your rental income, but maybe like income from your W-2 job or some other business you might be running. Um, so I think that the tax planning should follow whatever your investment goals are gonna be for next year. That's super cool. Um, you know, people, People have a general understanding of like writing off helps me save on taxes. But I think when people think of like tax write-offs, everybody thinks of the same things, right? Um, what are some of those tax write-offs that real estate investors can do that maybe aren't so common or things that investors just forget about or miss completely that they're not typically writing off that you see as a big miss? Gosh, that's such an interesting question. I've never been asked that before. Um, 
<laughs> it's funny because I feel like people know what they can write off, but then it's a little bit different when it comes to actually writing things off or actually tracking it. So I always tell people like, hey, when you go to these real estate conferences or meetups, right, you can write off all those expenses like your travel costs and hotel and meals. And then what happens is when I'm actually talking to the investors, like at tax time, I don't see those things. I like I don't see it on their on their financial stuff. And I'm like, I know I saw you at BPCon. You know, where is all that stuff? <laughs> um, so, so I think it's you know more important than just understanding what you can write off, but also like tracking it and make sure you, you give it to your tax person when they're doing tax returns. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's all those things that are like, we all know we can write off property specific things like, you know, repairs and insurance and property tax, but it's all those um, kind of what I consider overhead, like things that I kind of got some personal enjoyment out of doing it. It's not really for my property on Main Street. Those are also deductible too, um, as long as, you know, it's related to your real estate activities. So, and, you know, there's like a hundred different write-offs that fall into that category, like cars and home office and travel, education, all that good stuff. No, that's, that's you're 100% right. Because uh, it really comes down to like being diligent in the moment when you are thinking about your taxes, like you, I think we as uh, normal people, I think we want to think about taxes only one time a year. Right. And then, but to truly get the most benefit, you have to be thinking about it and be taking action on it. Like throughout the year, I'm 100% guilty of that, of knowing that, Hey, I can write this trip off and then not being diligent about keeping track of expenses or receipts and things. And then come tax time, I'm like trying to dig back through emails and receipts to make sure that I can get that right off. And I probably don't realize the full potential of what I could have written off by not being diligent. So that's a great point. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. I feel like I struck a chord with you when I said that too, like <laughs> your reaction. <laughs> I feel like you were talking to me. So thank you. <laughs> it's so true though. And it really is a mindset to like start thinking thinking, you know, in each interaction, everything that you do as an investor about how to create tax advantages for yourself. And it does seem like it's the last piece of the puzzle for a lot of investors. Like you try and learn how to analyze deals, you get your deal flow, you work on operations. And then like once you start having checks to the IRS that are big enough to start hurting, then you're like, okay, now it's time for me to start adopting the proper mindset. Yeah. I think I have two things to add to that. So Henry, for you, it's one, like one simple thing you can do is if you have a credit card or a bank account that's dedicated to your real estate stuff, again, it doesn't have to be for a property, um, but having that one bank account, one credit card, and you use that, you know, it's always in your wallet. You're using it every time anything is business related. That will help a lot because then, you know, you download all those transactions. Those are just your business stuff and you don't have to like go through your emails and calendar and try to figure out what this was. Um, and I think the other thing you um, you guys said, like, you know, taxes, like the last on our mind, Henry only wants to think about it one time a year. Um, but really what you want to do is just ha have it in the back of your mind every day. You know, whenever you're spending money on something, ask yourself, is this reasonable that it would be a business expense? Am I doing it to better my real estate? And if so, charge it on that card. You know, not that you have to become a CPA or anything, but just always like ask yourself that little question when you spend money. I think that's going to go a long way. Like if you're in a 30, 40, 50 percent tax bracket, a hundred dollars in expenses is going to save you, you know, 30 to 50 bucks of cash. You know, Amanda, I thought we agreed in the pre-planning for this that we were going to say I was asking for a friend. I feel like you just. <laughs> out, so. um, but it's cool. I appreciate it. 
So you were talking about uh, Henry and Amanda about people who forget about this. Amanda, I, I've been wanting to ask a CPA this question for a long time. Does anyone actually keep track of their mileage when they're driving around? I just feel like that's like a myth that people are able to do that. Because like, who has the discipline to keep track of everywhere they drive? Yeah, um, I guess you do it, don't you, Amanda? I have to say yes. That's I tell people to do that. Um, but you know, I mean, so, you know, we have there's great technology now, right? Like, in the olden days, <laughs> like you have to like write it down in a little notebook, uh, which like my, my father-in-law does. But um, but no, there's so many apps now that you can track it where you just, you know, turn it on and then it'll do all the tracking for you. Just say, okay, this is business, this is personal. Um, so, you know, mile, mile IQ, there's a lot of different ones out there that people use. Um, but uh, to answer your question, I mean, I, sh I hope people are tracking it. At least my clients tell me they are. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I cannot confirm nor deny. Uh, I use Everlance, which is a similar tool to what she talked about. It kind of tracks it in the background using the accelerometer on your phone. And then oh. you can just swipe whether it's for business or personal. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what I was saying. It's just easy. It's a one, you know, you're swiping on your phone all day anyways, guys. I'm sure you're doing that. So you just do it now for tax purposes. Okay. All right. Well, I just have one more tax 101 question for you, and then let's we'll, we'll move into some of the changes and, and updates about the tax code. What is one or two sort of more advanced strategies that most real estate investors overlook that you think they should be considering? Gosh, uh, advanced strategies. It's hard for me to you know kind of determine like you know, what's advanced for one person might not be advanced for another person. Well, one one that's from your book on advanced tax strategies <laughs> and not from your one just for regular tax strategies. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for the plug of the book. Again. <laughs> Um, so, uh, advanced strategies, you know, one that we've been, uh, kind of talking a lot more about and hear a lot more about on social media recently is the concept of home, uh, home slash rental. So this is for newer investors, right? Where you have a primary home and then you are house hacking. So whether that's turning, you know, later living there and then turning it to a rental, or you have a duplex where when you live in one and you sell the other one, that's a rental. So one of the strategies we, you know, there's two separate things, right? One, we all know that if you live in a primary home for at least two out of the last five years, you can exclude up to $500,000 tax-free. Um, and as investors, we also know that when you sell a piece of rental property, you can 1031 exchange and defer the capital gains taxes, right? So those two are, you know, somewhat simple strategies. But what I, what I love about house hacking, if you're doing it correctly, is that you can actually combine the two strategies. So what that means is you can possibly sell. So if you have a home, you turn it into a rental and then later sell it. It's possible for you to get up to $500,000 of gain tax-free and if your gain is beyond that, you can use a 1031 exchange to defer the rest of that gain too. So um, I really like that because, you know, we, we're seeing a lot of investors doing house hacking, whether it's, I think a lot of people think house hacking is for newbie investors, but I have a lot of clients that are very experienced and they do house hacking um, because it's one of the few ways that you can get tax-free money, um, you know, just <laughs> rehab and move every couple of years. Um, but that's a really great one that you can kind of combine two different strategies into one to get a really um, significant tax savings. Good idea. Um, so you want me to do another one, right? Because you asked for two advanced 
<laughs> Take whatever you got. I'm writing notes right now. We're going to let you talk about tax strategies as long as you want to. <laughs> as long as I want. <laughs> um, Go on. Yes. So, okay, let, I'll just share a client example. Okay, this is a good one because we're talking about year end and we're talking about more advanced strategies. So, so I have a client who um, is going to come across a big windfall. This happens to be a, a, ten, a dentist who's going to sell uh, uh, his dental practice. And um, so we're working with them to try to delay the closing of that sale. So everything's moving forward, you know, all the due diligence, everything's moving forward, but we're trying to help him to delay the, the sale until January of next year. This is a couple million dollars worth of, 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 of gain in taxes that they're looking at. So by delaying it to next year, uh, the two benefits. One, we're delaying the taxes, but two, it's going to give him all of next year to help plan for ways to offset that, you know, couple million dollars of gain from taxes. Um, so the significance for this particular person is that this year they're still working full time, right? They have their dental practice. There's no way for them to use rental losses to offset all that huge gain. But next year they're going to be out of the dental practice. They're going all in real estate. So they're going to have a bunch of properties, active real estate, passive syndications, and we'll be able to use that to offset you know, all this significant amount of capital gains tax. So, um, you know, just like kind of the power of how proactive planning across multiple years can really make a huge tax difference. That's super awesome because, again, selfishly, I'm getting so much value out of this. And I think people should really be taking notes on some of these advanced strategies because you're right. You want to be as proactive as possible. And one thing we do know about taxes and tax laws and rules is that they change. So can you give us some insight as to what's changing for the upcoming tax year so that we can start to be proactive about how we plan for those changes? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, for real estate investors, there's two major things. So the one is the the good news that I wanted to share, which is in the last couple of years, we heard a lot about um, Washington, D.C., uh, trying to punish real estate investors, right? Like the landlords are, you know, big bad wolf and we have all these unfair tax advantages. So really trying to take away some of the benefits of investors, whether that's, you know, depreciation or writing off interest or um, 1031 exchange, right? That was something that was always on the chopping block. Um, so the good news coming into this next year is that uh, a lot of those things that we had been monitoring are are kind of at a standstill. So right now, as it stands, we'll be able to do 1031 exchanges going forward with no limitation. So you can sell millions of dollars of real estate and pay no taxes if you're doing the 1031 exchange correctly. So those are kind of all the good things about real estate. Um, I think the one change that is not as good specifically for, you know, when we talk about real estate investors is the change in depreciation that's coming up. So right now for this year, we have what's um, called bonus depreciation, where we can write off certain things at 100%. So before the show, we were joking about cars and things like that, right? So if you did buy a large truck or SUV over 6,000 pounds this year, you can write off uh, up to 100% of that purchase price. Um, if it's used for your real, you know, primarily used for your real estate business, of course. Uh, but, and also other things within real estate, like the, um, you know, furniture, fixture, things you're putting into your short-term rentals. A lot of those right now, we can get 100% bonus depreciation. The change that's coming up for next year in 2023 is that 100% immediate write-off goes down a little bit to 80%. So the example will be if I spent $1,000 buying some furniture for my short-term rentals, instead of writing off 1000 immediately, I'll be, write, I'll be able to write off 800 bucks of it immediately. 
the other, you know, two thousand two um, two hundred bucks I'll get to write off uh, still over the next five, seven, or fifteen years. So it's not like we're losing out on the benefit; we're just getting it a little bit delayed. Um, so that's kind of the major change coming up, and and a, a reason why you're seeing a lot of investors aggressively trying to close, buy assets, and put properties into service before the end of the year. Amanda, can you tell us? A little bit more about what bonus depreciation is, because this is a relatively new thing, right? And and how is it different from regular depreciation? Yeah, so regular depreciation, so the way depreciation works in the tax world is um, you have a specific asset, right? And let's say it's furniture for your rental properties or appliances. And the IRS says, okay, you can write that off, let's say, for over five years. So whatever the, the invest, you know, whatever the cost of that, that uh, appliance was, you, you're deducting it over the next five years. Bonus depreciation um, basically says, you don't have to wait five years to write it off. I'm gonna let you write off all of that first in the first year or you know in the current year that you're putting into service. So it's not creating new de- new deductions. It's just saying I'm going to let you write off more of it up front. And and the, the obviously the significance of it is as a real estate investor if I can write off a bunch of things this year and save on taxes or get a refund, then that's great because I have more money to invest, right? Rather than having to wait on that tax benefit over the next couple of years. With regular depreciation, right? It's not actually you're not paying taxes. It's a deferral of tax, right? Is that the same with bonus depreciation? You still have to do a depreciation recapture when you go to sell? Yes, yes, that's correct. So the way it works and, and you know, recapture basically is just saying, hey, you bought something, let's say you bought something for $1,000 and then you wrote it off, right? And then later on, down the road, you're going to sell it for, you know, 1200 bucks. Well, you already wrote off that $1,000. So the whole $1,200 is going to be taxable gain. You don't get to get a benefit again for what you already wrote off, right? And, and yes, you're right. That is the same, whether it's regular depreciation or bonus depreciation, because you can't write off the same thing, right? You can't benefit from the same thing twice. Yeah, I think this is super important and something very misguided people ask me because as Amanda knows, I know nothing about taxes. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're learning a little bit right now, but people are always sort of the same question comes up, which is like, why do I care about depreciation or deferring taxes if I just have to pay it anyway? Right. Like, and, and that's true. But if you think about it as an investor, like so much of how you generate returns is by having as much money invested into a an interest bearing or a return generating asset as possible, right? It's like this compound interest machine. And what Amanda's saying is that basically you're going to be able to keep more money earning you money for a much longer period of time. You're still going to have to pay taxes for it eventually, but it means that your principal, the amount of money that you have in your investments that are earning you money uh, can be higher for longer. Is that a good way of describing it? Yeah. I mean, I always say like, you know, if no, 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 that's the perfect way to say it. Um, Like if I give you the choice, right, Dave, I said, Hey, you're going to have to owe the IRS a hundred thousand dollars. Do you want to pay for that now? Or do you want to pay for that? five years from now or 10 years from now, right? Of course, I want to pay it later. Um, like we were saying earlier, right? We, I want time with my money, right? I want my time with my money so I can grow it, I can nurture it. Uh, if, when I pay it in taxes today, my ROI is zero, right? I mean, my ROI, of course, I know the government is doing wonderful things with it, but my ROI on that money is zero because I gave it to the government. 
Absolutely. You pay it in, defl- in uh, deflated val- in money as well, and you get to invest it. There's all sorts of benefits to it. Yeah. And I want to say, too, also, I know you, you mentioned, like, people are concerned, like, hey, I'm going to take all this tax benefit on depreciation. I'm just going to have to pay it back later anyways. But that's not always the case, or it doesn't always have to be the case. So let's say you have a property, you do depreciation, you sell it in a couple years. If you 1031 exchange it, by buying more real estate, which most investors, that's what they're doing, right? They're growing their portfolio. So if you're doing that, then you might not have to worry about depreciation recapture because you can still defer the taxes down the road over and over and over again. And then ultimately when we're all, you know, super old, um, you pass away with the property and that property goes to the next generation, right? To your beneficiaries. And it might be possible that nobody pays taxes on any of that appreciation. Awesome. So one question that I, well, I'm sorry, one asking for a friend, a friend. Yeah. Your friend. Yeah. He's got a lot of questions. Hypothetically speaking, let's say you're a real estate investor and you have heard of this concept of depreciation, right? And you just talked about accelerated depreciation, but as real estate investors, we can also leverage what's called cost segregation studies in order to help uh, save on some taxes. But I think there's a lot of uh, either misinformation or people are a little bit confused about what exactly that is and what it means. So would you mind shedding some light on the cost segregation and how it benefits real estate investors? Yeah, yeah. So um, cost segregation is basically a way to accelerate depreciation even more. So earlier, you know, we were talking about, like, you know, buy this appliance, I write it off over five years. Um, Cost segregation does the same thing, except on a larger scale. So it's not looking at appliances, it's looking at the building that you just purchased, right? So if you spend uh, $1.2 million on an acquisition and it's a million dollars worth of building, normally what's gonna happen is your tax preparer is gonna say, oh, there's a million dollar building. I'm gonna write it off over 27 and a half years, right? So it's a very you know small and slow depreciation. But what you can do is you can get a cost segregation study done. And what happens is the, um, that the cost segregation firm will look at the building and break out that million dollar building into different components like flooring, appliances, you know, specialty plumbing and all that. Um, and the, the goal in breaking out those appliances and the various components is then you can get faster depreciation. So instead of, you know, know, maybe a small depreciation, you might get a, you know, $300,000 depreciation in that first year. So that's the reason people, um, you know, utilize that as a strategy. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, Amanda, I'm going to, I'd like to ask you a little bit about something you mentioned earlier, which is that some of the proposed changes to tax law that were rumored in 2022 didn't happen. Do you think there's a chance that anything big is going to change in 2023? I know you're not a politician, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, from what you're hearing, do you think uh, there's anything coming down the pipe we should be aware of? Um, not really. I mean, not at this time for real estate investors. Uh, but like you say, yeah, anything could change. But right now, there's not a whole lot of talks about continuing forward with some of those things. And um, so, yeah, I think we're probably in a good spot for now. Well, great. Thank you. That made me feel a lot better. <laughs> Good. I feel like sometimes I like start to get a grasp on tax stuff and then everything changes. I'm like, I just give up. (laughs) I don't know anything. So at least for one year now, maybe I'll have some understanding of what's going on with the tax code. 
<laughs> it's funny because, you know, I think、um, a lot of investors or just people in general hate taxes. Uh, or hate tax or fear taxes, hate taxes. This is so boring and complicated. But actually, I think a lot of my clients who like have really benefited from like tax, you know, tax planning.、Um, I find that they're always talking about taxes. Like sometimes I have to stop them. You know, like I'll find my clients on social media or other people's podcasts and just talking about like, oh, I save so much in taxes doing this and this.、Um, so I mean, it's a good, you know, definitely a good good place to be. Where it's like once you see the benefit, it becomes such an exciting thing to plan for and a good, you know, a good asset to help you grow your wealth rather than like something to be really, you know, fearful of. That's a very good way to put it.、Uh, I do want to ask you a little bit about、um, how to find good tax advice, but before we do, I have one more strategic question for you. Something you taught me about. Can you tell me a little bit more about short-term rentals and how they have this special position in being able to help you write off some of your taxes? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you were candid. You didn't say it was a friend. A question for a friend, <laughs> like somebody. It was a friend, and it was you who told me. About it.、Um, okay, so yes,、yeah, so for short-term rentals,、um, it, it, we refer myself and a lot of other CPA colleagues. We refer to it as a short-term rental tax loophole, and the reason we call it a tax loophole is、uh, that it's a loophole for、uh, people who are still working. Full time, maybe at a W two job, and have a high W two income. The reason it's a loophole is because if you are investing in long term rentals、um, and you have all these losses, right? And assuming your income is high income, so over one hundred fifty thousand dollars, you your losses from your real estate can only offset taxes from your rental income.、Um, it's not really able to offset taxes from your W two income,、uh, and so that's a little bit of a, a limitation, right, for people who are still working full time and have high income.、Um, Short term rental loophole is treated completely. Differently, and so the way it works is, even if you're working full time at a job, if you have short term rental properties and you're using all these other strategies like writing off your car or your depreciation, all that good stuff, if you create a loss, you might be able to use it to offset taxes. Not just from the short-term rentals, but also like your W two and your other business income as well.、Um, and the reason for that is because short-term rentals just the IRS treats it differently, so they don't care like you know that you're spending more time in that than your job.、Um, you just have to meet. A couple hours requirements, and once you meet those hours requirements, what we call material participation. So, if you meet a, one of the material participation hours requirements, then you can use those short-term loss, short-term rental losses, to offset all types of income. So, we really see that as a huge benefit for、um, you know high-income people who are doing real estate on the side, you know, not being a full-time investor yet. And how much how much can you、uh, offset if you use that strategy? Um, it depends on the type of income you have. So let's say you're a business owner, like you have an, a corporation that you're flipping or wholesaling or whatever.、Um, there's no limit in terms of how much those short-term rental losses can offset income、uh, from from your other businesses that you're involved in. But if we're talking strictly about W two income, there is a limitation. It's around five forty for this year. So meaning, like if you had a million dollars of W two income, you had a million dollars of short-term rental losses, you can only offset up to about five hundred forty thousand. As an as a married couple, it's pretty good. Yeah, that's still really, really good, right? Not earning a million dollars a year, but I would love to have that problem where it was too much. <laughs>、um, so, Amanda, this has been super helpful.、Uh, before we get out of here, for people who are new to tax planning, 
and want to get started in some of these uh, strategies in 2023, what are some things that they should be looking for in a tax strategist or a CPA? And and if they're trying to find some outside help to to assist them with their tax? Well, I think you know, it's really important to find a, a, a tax advisor who um, specializes in real estate. Um, preferably, they also invest in real estate because, you know, real estate people, we probably don't even feel it because we're always around real estate, but there's like a whole different language and lingo and th- the way that, you know, we kind of talk um, that not everybody understands all that. So definitely someone who understands real estate and invests in real estate. You know, I think a, a mistake that I see people make all the time is they'll contact a CP and say, do you work with real estate investors? And the answer is always going to be yes. I work with real estate investors, right? Because maybe I have one client who invests in real estate. Um, so that's not really a good question. It's not very powerful because that's kind of a can, you know, canned question with a canned answer. Um, I think a better question might be like, you know, if they say they work with real estate investors, um, kind of probe a little bit more. You know, what what type of real estate are your clients doing? Like, are they doing subject to deals? Are they doing wholesale? Um, see how in depth they can, ha- you know, go with you on that conversation. Um, or also like, you know, what are some of your successful clients doing in real estate to save on taxes, right? Just very open-ended questions. Are they talking about cost segregation? Are they talking about what kind of things are they sharing with you? Um, I think those will, you know, kind of help you figure out if that's someone who understands. And of course, Bigger Pockets Forum is a great one. There are a lot of other CPAs on there um, who specialize in working with real estate people too. Henry, I was just wondering if your friend had any other questions for Amanda. No, no, no. <laughs> but uh, I did want to highlight that that was a phenomenal tip. So you guys should write that down, being able to ask open-ended questions so you can gauge what they truly know, because you're right. We speak a different language. We do things that a lot of you know people in other businesses think are crazy. So having that asking those open-ended questions, seeing if they speak your lingo and, and truly understand what it is that you do is a phenomenal tip. Because I'm sure I, I, when I got started, I was guilty of the exact same thing. I asked I asked if you work with real estate investors and I 100% got a yes answer. And then we worked with somebody that we that probably wasn't the best for our business right away. So thank you for sharing that. And Henry, your friend can always contact me anytime if they have more tax questions. I, I, will, I will be sure to let them know. All right. Well, thank you, Amanda, so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Where, if people want to connect with you, should they do that? Or Henry's friend, where should he connect with you? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah. I mean, if you guys, for any of you who want to know more about ways to save on taxes, um, on my website, uh, my firm's website, uh, we have a free downloadable tax savings toolkit uh, where we talk more in depth about, you know, how do you pay your kids to get a tax write off? What's the best legal entity for your real estate? All those things that we didn't get to talk about today. um, You can download those at keystonecpa.com. And um, on social media, I can uh, most frequently be found on Instagram. So I am Amanda Han CPA on Instagram. All right. Awesome. Thanks again, Amanda, who is the managing director of Keystone CPA and the author of two Bigger Pockets books, the book on tax strategies for savvy real estate investors and the book on advanced tax strategies, cracking the code for savvy real estate investors. Amanda, it's always a pleasure. Thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me.
Man, so your friend really knows nothing about taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But hey, we're in a better place now because like it was a mindset shift for me. And it's just like anything else, right? Like with 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 investing or getting into investing, like you've got to change your mindset, you know, before you can truly find success. And I never even thought about like having a tax mindset and it will just help you make sure you stay prepared throughout the year because man, there's definitely things I've dropped the ball on that when I heard her talk about it, I was like, Oh yeah, I should, I should be better at that. Yeah. I feel like the, the path to being good at taxes is like blazed with terrible mistakes and regrets. Like you just have to learn sometimes the hard way, um, uh, that there's better ways to do it. I, honestly, I was working at bigger pockets when, uh, Amanda's first book came out and I was like, tax strategies, what does that even mean? You just pay the amount that you your just, CPA tells you. Like, what, stra- what, what strategy is there? You just pay it. Uh, but she's, she has taught me a lot. She Not just now, but she is super smart and very generous with her time and knowledge. Um, so very grateful to have her on. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Henry. As always, appreciate your, uh, your insights and help. And uh, where should people connect with you if they want to learn more from you or your friend? Yeah, I'm at the Henry Washington on Instagram. That is absolutely the best place to reach out to me. And uh, my friend Harry, he doesn't have an Instagram yet. <laughs> you just let me just message me, and I'll make sure he he gets it. <laughs> yeah, you got to be the intermediary. Well, <laughs> you can find me either on Bigger Pockets or on Instagram, where I'm at the Data Deli. If you have any questions about this, you can also reach out to Amanda um, about for that. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time for On The Market. On The Market is created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Joel Esparza and Onyx Media. Research by Pooja Jindal. And a big thanks to the entire BiggerPockets team. The content on the show On The Market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies. Investing in small multifamily properties is probably the most popular niche in the entire Bigger Pockets community, and there's a good reason for that. You can put as little as 3.5% down and own up to four units. So just think about that for a second. You can house hack where you live in one of the units, but in addition to having a place to live, you still have three different groups of tenants helping to pay down your mortgage each month. You have four kitchens and bathrooms that you could add value to to build equity. You could also turn one or more of the properties into a short-term rental or a medium-term rental. And all this, what I'm describing here, is just one transaction. But of course, the question is, where do you find one of these small multifamily properties that you can afford? Which markets and which deals are best for you? How about after you close? How do you manage it? Optimize it. Keep scaling and living your life without being tied down by four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants. These are all great questions. And luckily for you, they're going to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient, great strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. I'll see you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. 
Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.